Hey everybody, it's Dave here and Darren over there. Darren's way far over there. He's on the East Coast. It's about as far east as you can get in Canada. He is joining us today for our very first pregame show of the 2022 Vikings campaign. And in this one, as normal, we have three themes. First one being Vikings at Raiders, what we're watching, what we're looking for. Obviously, there's a bunch of stuff going on, position battles, etc. We want to pay attention to. We'll go over those. Second thing, Vikings backup QB situation. Is it time to panic? Eh, maybe, maybe not. We'll find out. Thirdly, I'll talk about how to watch the offensive line. Because obviously, we're Vikings fans, and we want good offensive line play. Can we get that? How do you look as a casual fan to see if the line is doing what it's supposed to? We'll go over that. Plus, we have a little bit of a surprise in store as well. Getting ready to start now. Climb in the pocket, Avery Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Hey everybody, it's Dave and Darren once again. We are your two old bloggers, two plus decades each of commenting publicly on your Minnesota Vikings. And all we want to do is see them win a championship, that Super Bowl, carry that Lombardi before we die. How are you doing, Darren? I'm doing well, Dave. I apologize. I'm, uh, I think my video is like five seconds delayed. Uh, technical difficulties. Also, I'm looking blue, but that's not because I've changed my skin color. It's just the way the lighting is in here today. <laughs> I'm turning green. <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're playing I'm not sure what's it. what's worse. We're playing with it. so a little bit better your, right there now. Yeah. How's your vacation going? Uh, it's going uh, pretty good. I wish uh, it wouldn't be raining quite as much as it has been. But what do you do? Can't do anything about the weather, David. Uh, we're making the best of it. And uh, hopefully we'll get a beach day in tomorrow. That's right. Well, let's get into this show. Since we do have a game today, we might as well start talking about it. We have, as the title of the show, Mon, Mon, Mon. We find out later in the week, Mond isn't starting like we all thought he would. <laughs> okay, on to theme one. The Vikings at the Raiders. I picked an old uh, pick for this back in the day. But it shows you uh, some of the frustrations we may run into today. Do you think there'll be some? <laughs> yeah, that's a blast from the past, David. I believe that game uh, that you know, that, that photo is from a game I think in two thousand three or something or two thousand two, where the Vikings were pulling their late season uh, uh, tank tankathon again after starting out the season strong. They lost actually. I remember they lost to the Raiders in Oakland and they're playing Rick Meyer was the quarterback for Oakland and Rick Meyer was like terrible at that point. And, uh, somehow we lost we, we, uh, that game with Culpepper throwing, but, but yeah, well, frustrations, I think, uh, the game itself, David, uh, preseason games, although uh, we always like Mary was just on there. Are you pumped? Yes, I'm pumped because it's Vikings football. It's the first Vikings football game we're going to see in 20 uh, since January. Uh, it's uh, like as close to real football as we've seen in eight months. So lots to get pumped up about that way. But it's still a preseason game, and it's probably going to be sloppy as hell. Uh, there's going to be boring parts at times. Uh, I some, And you have to be suspicious about what you see in these games and what you take out of them. Uh, it's unlikely that the Vikings starters, most of them will play 
they might play very little, if at all. We know Cousins is not playing today, for for sure. Uh, a lot of the preseason games I was watching and looking at uh, in the past two days, a lot of teams have been sitting out almost all of their starters. Uh, and, uh, I, I think you, you know, even some of the, the Vikings top rookies might not play that much. Uh, but there's still things to look out for that I'll be looking out for. I think other fans are maybe some of the, the players you'll be watching out for folks will be the same as I am. Uh, and, and, uh, again, you know, the first unveiling of the Kevin O'Connell, Minnesota Vikings. So very exciting. Uh, what are, you know, are, are we going to get, we're going to get a little indication of what this team might look like in 2022 under Kevin O'Connell. And uh, like one of the guys, one of the players I'm really, really going to be watching closely is, and we've talked about him several times on this show, is right guard, guard Ed Ingram. Um, I, we're, we're going to be getting into offensive line. You're going to be getting into it mostly, mm-hmm. I think, um, in, a, in a little bit later on the show. But uh, I always, for me, offensive line is always a tough thing for, for me to evaluate because I don't really know like the technical, the, I'm, I'm not good at picking up the technical stuff. Uh, I don't know en- enough about like uh, technique and, and what to look for enough. And like a lot of fans, I tend to follow the ball <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> where the ball goes is where my eye goes. But still Ed Ingram, I think when he's in there, if for me, as a as a layperson fan, if he is in there and the the Vikings are not giving up a ton of pressure on the inside, especially on the right side on the interior, if they're running the ball well while he is uh, particularly on the right side or whichever side he's playing on, I think that that will be a good indication that Ingram is doing pretty well while he's in there. Uh, that so that's kind of the things I'm going to be looking for. Uh, Pass-wise, not giving up much protection up the middle. On running plays, are they getting good gains and creating a lot of push at the line of scrimmage on his side? Uh, So that'll be good. And I I think it's important that Ingram, we we know you had a shot of Wes Phillips up there a little while ago. Wes Phillips has had some very nice things to say about Ingram this week. Says he's getting better, uh, got good push, likes his anchor. So lots of good things coming from the Vikings offensive coordinator about Ed Ingram. and. Uh, that's encouraging, and I think it's important that Ingram plays well because, really, we need uh, like a, a long-term solution to the right guard position. Uh, Jesse Davis is not that long-term solution. He's a mediocre uh, journeyman type guy, and uh, really, I, I don't. He's not the future of at right guard, and I don't even know if he's the present at right guard. Ed Ingram, I think, is our best chance of finally solidifying that right guard position long-term, something that we've been looking for for a while. So Ed Ingram is a guy that I'm really going to be watching closely while he's in the game today. And I think I think a lot of Vikings fans who really are into the football side of things will be as well because they know he's an, he's an important guy for the future. You know I will um, be. Some other guys, it's a lot of – yes, definitely. Definitely, David, you'll be all over Ed Ingram because I know you're high on him uh, and uh, for good reason, I think. I think you know, the, the, other, the other parts of it, uh, secondary-wise, a lot I'm looking for at secondary. Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth Jr., and even a Caleb Evans are guys I'm going to be watching, uh, I think, close, you know, watching closely. Seen, it's pretty obvious, our, first, our number one draft pick, so... You want to see you want to see that new toy out on the field and see how he does. Uh, I don't know how much he's going to play today, but then again, I don't expect Harrison Smith to play at all. So that'll leave Seen, Louis Dorn, uh, Dorn, Seen, Josh Metellus, and Mike Brown to play. So you know they're they're not going to be able to sit out two or three guys. The, I think Seen will play a fair bit if he's flying around, even against backups. If he's flying around, making some plays, making some big hits. That is going to be encouraging to me, especially because we're not quite sure yet. Um, he, he's still right now the backup behind Cameron Bynum. But even, again, if he's making plays out there, that's very encouraging. For Andrew Booth, uh, I'm looking to see if the swagger and the playmaking that he's shown in, in the training camp so far translates on the field against an opponent. And the other thing uh, with uh, Caleb Evans, it's very much... He's a fourth rounder, but I want to see can he can he stand can he hold his own? Uh, we've been hearing some good things about him in training camp. 
uh, lately, but can he hold his own again against competition that aren't, that isn't his own team, his own teammates, guys he's seeing day in and day out. If he can show something there, doesn't get burned too much, shows that he belongs out there, then I feel that, you know, there's a, uh, I feel good that he might be an important piece to the Vikings secondary and uh, maybe not this year, but next year and the year after. So secondary, a lot of stuff to work on there uh, at running back. Very interested to see Kenny, Kenny Wangwu, Tyson Chandler and Brian Kobeck. We've also got Madison and cook in there, but I doubt very much that either of those dudes are going to play today, but uh, I think Kenny Wang Chung and certainly Tyson Chandler are going to get, I think, a fair bit of, uh, of uh, reps, probably going to get a lot of carries. And, um, again, those guys, Kobeck, the un- undrafted rookie free agent, when they're in there, what I'm looking for, how's their pass protection? Uh, how do they do catching the ball out of the backfield? When they get the ball and it's handed off to them, they're running, do they got a ver- Do they show burst? Do they have big playability? Uh, those are things I'm going to be looking for, and I want to see an indication that either – uh, they have the ability, one of them, two of them, maybe all three, have the ability to be a solid backup in 2023 when I expect Alexander Madison will no longer be a Viking. And maybe even in 2024 when the Vikings might be looking to move on from Dalvin Cook, do any of those guys have the ability to be a starter or, or a co-starter at running back for our Vikings? Another uh, thing you want to look for. Go back 200 yards a day. Another thing you want to look for when it comes to running backs is – are they patient setting up the block, having their blockers in front of them? Or are they like Adrian Peterson at the very beginning, where they're hitting the hole before the, the lineman even set up for it? Um, you want to look for patience, and then you want to look for good decision-making. If the hole is closed, are they making the cutback decision at the correct time and going backside with it? Those are two other points to look for when you're looking at the running backs. And very good points, Dave, because yes, like you say in the NFL, sometimes the hole that you're supposed to hit is not the one that you end up is being your best option. And do you recognize that? And do you recognize it quickly enough to hit it, especially if it's the opposite side? We know a guy like Dalvin Cook uh, is uh, very, very, very good at that sort of thing. Uh, But uh, it'd be nice to see some of these other guys who are going to play a lot, do they show that ability too? Uh, so running backs, very, uh, I think, very interesting. At tight end, um, on that side of things, I'm going to be looking at paying attention to Johnny Munt and Zach Davidson. Munt, because right now he's probably our backup tight end, our number two tight end. And with Irv Smith's injury issues that last year and now this year with the thumb, uh, you know, Munt who might end up having to play a more significant role in this offense than we would like or anticipate. Uh, so if he shows something in the preseason and he shows that he's got ability to be a, a threat as a wide receiver, something he didn't show when he's with the Rams, I think that is going to be encouraging and, and probably very important. Uh, and then Davidson, who's had, uh, I think, a, an encouraging training camp so far. Quarterbacks seem to be throwing to him a lot. He's dropping some passes, but he's making some good plays too. Um the quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins, seem to be trusting him. He's going to get a lot of uh, reps in this game. And and again, but much like Andrew Booth Jr., can he translate that, what he's been doing in training camp, against an opponent, again, uh, and, and players that he has not played against and not familiar with? Uh, because last year he really struggled in the preseason games. So, uh, again, interesting when we've got questions about tight end depth with the Vikings. Can Davidson be a guy who's going to stick with this team? And does he have promise to be use that 6'7", 6'6", 6'7", frame and be a real threat as a receiver sometime this year or maybe even next year? Uh, yeah, this speed. Uh, on defense, you know, a couple of areas, again, is uh, Brian Asamoa, the third rounder from Oklahoma. Um, very unique player, uh, not the kind of big, uh, he doesn't have the build, typical build of, um, you know, you know, your typical linebacker in the days of yore in the, in the NFL or even recent days. Uh, but, uh, he's a, he was a unique playmaking guy, tackling machine at Oklahoma. I'm going to be very interested to see if that translates into the NFL, 
Is he going to struggle getting off blocks? And is his size going to be a bit of a liability now that he's playing with the big boys? Or and he won't be able to compensate? Or is he going to show that he's just got unique athletic traits? They translate no matter what uh, level of football he's playing on and that he really has a future in the NFL and with the Vikings as um, a unique weapon that Ed Donatel is going to be able to utilize in that 3-4. So really excited to see Asamoah play, and I hope he plays a lot. Uh, also on defense, a draftee from 2021, Jalen Twyman. Really, again, interested to see him. Missed all of last year because he you know, the gunshot wounds, but he's back like Asamoa undersized for the position he plays at defensive tackle. But at Pitt, he was a pass rushing terror, particularly in his last year. And uh, he's been making some plays that uh, Will Raggett's pointed him out uh, in his last write up uh, early late in the week. I said that he'd made some nice plays. He's, he's showing up uh, again. I'm excited to see if, again, if his size is going to be the liability, it's, been predicted to be by scouts who scouted him coming out of college or whether he just shows that he's got something a little different something a little extra and uh, he's got the pass rushing ability that the quickness that will just translate and will overcome his size issues at the nfl level so right. really really excited to see that and, and if he shows at the five technique de- defensive end position in the three four but at the five technique defensive tackle can he get the push? Can he get the rush? We all hope he does. The story would be fantastic if he if he can do that. So I'm looking at that too. And the last guy that I'll be looking for is actually Greg Joseph, our place kicker. Um, and and you know the, you're, you're showing James Lynch up there because Twyman's. Um, I didn't have Twyman making the the team when we talked about the roster uh, and look who'd make the fifth final 53 a couple of weeks ago, but the the defensive line depth is not so great. I think that uh, some people that I think might make the team like James Linth, if they're not having a great camp and Twyman is out there making plays and, 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 you know, causing disrupting plays in the backfield, pressuring the quarterback consistently, like he could, definitely play himself into the conversation and unseat some of these other guys who we think have got a roster spot, but maybe they, they just don't have the juice. Uh, Mm -hmm. So pretty, pretty cool. uh, That's again, in uh, something that he could definitely play himself in the situation because things are not set there on the, on the backup side of things on the Vikings defensive line. Uh, And then finally for me, Greg Joseph, we've been hearing about training camp. He's hitting every kick in practice he did miss a couple in the Monday night outdoor practice, hit a couple of uprights. That was really his first significant misses. But he's been like making multiple, multiple kicks from 50-plus yards, 58-yarders, 56-yarders, nailing them with lots of distance to go. Um, I want to see if that translates again into a game when even the preseason, it's much different than in practice, David, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, people yelling at you, players talking trash, more pressure, is he going to just keep on being a, like the machine he has been in training camp and nailing every kick? Or are we going to see the wide rights and the wide lefts that we saw last year at certain inopportune times in games? Uh, Joseph was solid last year, I felt, uh, but he did have some significant misses. We all know about the Arizona game that cost us the game. But uh, like, but if he's nailing them in preseason, I'll feel uh, better uh, about what that means for the the regular season again because most of us since gary anderson have kicker ptsd (laughs) we're we're always expecting the worst we're always expecting the worst from our place kickers yes we do well today we don't have to worry about when because the game is indoors in the raiders new allegiance stadium in las vegas that brings us to the end of theme one and i'm going to bring in not me again. Why would I do that? Well, I am good looking. What? I don't know, David. But Oh, there's a reason. There is a reason. This is new. This is new to this show. We are going to bring in a special guest. And there is the real Hey! Player. We brought How's it going, on, gentlemen. We brought on Tyler today to talk. Hey, Tyler. 
Um, a little bit about this is a preseason game, preseason one. How would you bet the Vikings? Uh, this is this is really interesting, gentlemen, because when you kind of look at the sports books um, across Vegas, it varies from anywhere from uh, plus three all the way up to plus five. So there's quite a different split as far as how prognosticators are seeing the game. If you can get the Vikings at plus three, I'd say that's a pretty smart bet. Um, it's also incredibly difficult to, to bet preseason just because you're betting on second and third stringers. When you The Vikings just released a list of players not playing today. I've got it here on my phone next to me. There really aren't any surprises. It's, it's your heavy hitters. There's only about 12 guys on this list. The only three that are a little weird, uh, Chris Reed, Julian Taylor, and then the App State part returner, Thomas Hennigan. Those are the only three guys that you wouldn't expect aren't playing today. So that kind of tells me, hey, the Vikings are going to be putting more hands on deck to try and, one, win this game, and two, get some exposure for their guys. This is the first time they're really playing live reps with this new scheme, both on offense and defense. Offense, I mean, we've had these conversations before. It's relatively similar, right? Defense is completely different. So we're going to be seeing uh, guys like Patrick Jones, as you were just talking about, Darren, rushing, standing up on the edge, and how they're going to be able to implement that scheme quickly because the less you think, easier it is for you to react. So I'm really intrigued by that. Plus, the Raiders have already played a preseason game, so that is a detriment in itself to the Vikings considering this is their first. Then from a betting perspective, I like the idea of plus three just because this game can be relatively close. It is in Vegas, but Vegas doesn't have a super loyal fan base at this point because they get a lot of travel. They will grow that fan base. Um, So I don't expect it to be super loud, which means it'll be easier for the Vikings to operate. Um, The one that I would do is I would bet over 38, which to me that seems like easy money because these two offenses can score points. They can both, the Vikings especially can run the football and that's that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Preseasons are wild crapshoot, so I wouldn't go betting like like a dime or anything on it. I would, yeah, if you want to throw around 20, 30 bucks and have some fun, this is going to be a great way to do that. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, giving you those, giving us those little tidbits. And for mm-hmm. those that watch, uh, well, thank you. And you know where to find Tyler. Every Monday on the Real Forno Show, you can. Dave, we're going to be having some fun tomorrow. We're going to be breaking down this game, and I can't wait to talk about how Kellen Mond stinks again and take that nice victory lap. God, that's awesome! All right, <laughs> um, now it's on. Thanks for coming on, Tyler. Now, thanks, it's on. guys. Enjoy. Yep. Thanks, Tyler. And now it's on to theme two. Is it time to hit the panic button? We're talking about backup quarterbacks. <laughs> we are. We talked about it last week, too. But um, And we talked about how uh, Kellen Mond, Kevin O'Connell was giving Kellen Mond a, a legit shot at beating Sean Mannion for the backup position and how it wasn't going so well for Kellen Mond <laughs> right now. Uh, and this week, that got amped up even more uh, when, but uh, would Mon did not look very good in the Monday night um, open air, uh, uh, the, the practice that was held in front of uh, fans. Sean Mannion looked what I'd read even a bit worse. Uh, but, and then we, you, there was a tweet that you showed me to Greg Rosenthal from, you know, NFL.com talking about how Mond there it is it up there. Mon's not even guaranteed, might not even make the roster, let alone be your backup quarterback for the Vikings. Uh, so if I, I, I feel it will make the team, even if it's as a third backup, maybe that's just me being, you know, I, I, he has no ties to this regime at all. They didn't draft him, so they have nothing invested in him, but I, I think that he'll get at least another year. But if he, if he, if he does stick with the team and he, and he's, looking as bad as he is now, that means that Sean Mannion is your backup, which isn't good. Or uh, if he's cut, 
that means Sean Mannion is your backup, <laughs> which isn't good. Uh, and it, it does, Judge Zolgad talked about last week about how the, the struggles of Mon in particular might force the Vikings to actually acquire a, another backup option because you don't want to go into another season with Sean, with Mannion as your backup. And so that, you know, that leads to the obvious question about who, what are the options for the Vikings to get a backup guy if they don't think Mond can do the job and they don't and they know that Mannion can't do the job. And uh, so you and I took a look at it, Dave. Uh, and um, the first thing that uh, when I looked at all the team's jet depth charts, I only really saw 11 teams who had a backup quarterback that I felt would be an obvious upgrade to Mannion and Mond, which is bad news in itself because it's, it shows that there's a lot of teams whose backup quarterback situation is not any better than the Vikings and quarterbacks are just a, it's a tough commodity. There's always a shortage of supply. Uh, and so, but who might be the options? Uh, let's get two right out of the way, David, we know who they are. We've talked about them before case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater, right? Those old chestnuts, uh, Keenum's with the bills, Teddy's with the dolphins. Um, you know, I think that they would be very good backup options for the Vikings, but, but if you look no at the, the the teams that they're playing on now, yeah, there's no way there's no way that Quasi Adolfo is going to bring in either of these fan favorites to back up Cousins. It would just be too awkward, create too much dissension. Especially if Cousins struggles in a game, people would be screaming and crying to, to to bring in Teddy or bring in Case. So that ain't happening. But I also don't think that it's a good fit for the teams that they're with. If you look at Buffalo, they've got uh, behind. Keenum is Matt Barkley. Uh, I don't think the Bills would be very comfortable having Barkley as the backup to Josh Allen, who is a mobile quarterback who takes some hits and who hasn't been injured yet in his young career. But because he's a very mobile quarterback who runs a lot, that possibility is always there. I I think they'd be much more comfortable with Keenum in there uh, than Barkley. So I think that they're going to keep him unless they get blown away. And the same thing with Miami. Teddy is behind Tua Tagovailoa, but Tua, two-yard Tua missed three games last year. Again, I don't think, and I'm not, and he's not been really lights out when he's played a lot of times. Are the Dolphins going to be comfortable? Behind Teddy is a rookie named Skylar Thompson, who was a seventh-round draft pick. I don't think that they'd be comfortable having Thompson as their backup behind two-yard Tua. So again, I think that they want to keep on to Teddy. So. Just throw those two out of the way. Salary cap wise, they like Case isn't making a lot. I think he's making three point five million. So the Vikings can fit that under the cap. Right. I think they've got around roughly ten million in cap space right now, thereabouts. Uh, but but I just it's it's just it's it's not going to work for a bunch of reasons. And they can uh, work more. But there are some to. other options. I think if you look, at, yeah, if they had to, yeah. But uh, I think uh, you know uh, just looking at some other options. Brian Hoyer with the Patriots, a veteran, 37 years old, started a lot in the NFL, uh, has played a lot of games. He's won some of them, throws a lot of interceptions. But uh, I think that, uh, again, behind Hoyer, uh, you got Mac Jones entrenched as a starter. Hoyer's the backup. And his the backup, the third guy right now is Bailey Zappi, the rookie from Western Kentucky. Uh, if Zappi looks good in preseason, and last night he was okay from what I can gather, maybe they'd be comfortable moving Hoyer or they might even cut him if they feel comfortable that Zappi is a good backup option to Mac Jones. So that Hoyer's a possibility, not a bad option. Um, Joe Flacco with the Jets, we don't have him up there, but uh, Mike White is behind him as the third mm-hmm. backup. I don't know, you know, Flacco. Gardner Minshew, always brought up uh, for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's young. He's cheap. He's pretty good. Uh, he's but again, attitude. I don't know yes. if the Eagles are a hundred. Yeah. I don't know if the Vikings are a hundred or sorry, the Vikings at the, I don't think the Eagles are a hundred percent sold on Jalen hurts as the starter. I think uh, Minshew is a nice security blanket for a team like them who have playoff aspirations. Like hurts again is a heavy, heavy run guy who runs a lot, takes a lot of hits, high injury probability there. I don't know if they'd be comfortable uh, getting uh, and they don't have uh, getting rid of Minshew when having Hertz as their number one and really no viable backup option behind him. Plus, because Hertz because Minshew is young, he's pretty good uh, and he's cheap. I think that the the Eagles would be wanting a premium for him, and I just don't see that the 
I just don't see the Vikings wanting to give up premium draft picks for Minshew. Um, Taylor Heineke with Washington. Again, similar situation. He's got uh, a former Viking. Uh, he's played a fair bit the past two years, done pretty well at times, won some games. Uh, he's pretty cheap. He's on the last year of his deal with, with Washington. They do have drafty Sam Howell behind him, who if he shows well in preseason, they might be comfortable as having him as the backup to Carson Wentz instead of Heineke. So that's a possibility. But again, uh, if Howell doesn't show very well in preseason, then they're not going to be comfortable and they're probably going to keep Heineke and Wentz is Wentz. Uh, if he doesn't play very well, <laughs> you know, Heineke I think Washington would like to have Heineke yeah. as an insurance. Yeah. As, as a, as an insurance policy there. So I, I don't know about that. Mason Rudolph from Pittsburgh Steelers last night, the Steelers played all three of their quarterbacks, Trubisky, who's the starter, Rudolph, who's the backup, and then first-rounder Kenny Pickett. Uh, they all did reasonably well. Uh, Pickett actually led a late game, uh, game-winning game um, uh, drive for the Steelers to, to beat the, the Seahawks. So uh, if that's a possibility, if if, uh, Rude, uh, if, uh, sorry, if Pickett, Pickett really shows that he uh, has a strong preseason, then the pit, and he is the future of the of that quarterback position for the Steelers. He's, if he shows that he there, if the Steelers are comfortable with him being the backup this year, and they, they feel that he's got showed the stuff to be the starter next year, then I think that they'd be willing to give up Rudolph uh, for, I think somewhat reasonable compensation. Um, so he's a possibility. Nick Foles and in Indiana is a possibility. Again, kind of cheap. A veteran QB, lots of starts in the NFL. We know he's won the Super Bowl, uh, but and he's backing up Matt Ryan, who's been a very, very durable during his career. Rarely, if ever, gets injured. But again, injury is always a possibility. Sam Ellinger, Ettinger, Ellinger is Ettinger, I believe, is the backup behind. Is the third guy behind Nick Foles. I don't know if the Colts again would be uh, comfortable with getting rid of Foles and having the third stringer Ettinger coming in to be backup Matt Ryan. But Foles, you know, again, if the price is right, maybe you can get him. Sam Darnold over at Carolina, I don't like that option, but if Mayfield wins the starting job uh, and uh, you've got Matt Coral from Mississippi, who's the, mm-hmm. the third QB right now and a high draft pick, if Coral looks good in preseason, again, Darnold could be expendable. He's a possibility. So there's a few there. I didn't, I'm not going to, well, I'm mentioning him, but I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is, you know, that ain't happening. Uh, well, I <laughs> put all. my feelers out uh, to Niner Sickness this week to ask what in mm-hmm. the world's up with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's listed as fourth on their depth yeah. chart, right? He's got a ginormous uh, contract that he's being paid. Yes. They may possibly just let him go. Um, if they let mm-hmm. him go, they eat the money. Then he's a free agent. Yeah. And you know there's, like you said, there's only 11 teams that you found that have a decent backup. So that means everybody else is going to be fighting in a bidding war if they want to get Garoppolo. And Garoppolo may be better than some starters. Garoppolo, to me, is on the same level as Kirk Cousins. Uh, they have different pluses and minuses to their uh, career. But he's he's on that level with me. He can win a bunch of games. He has won a bunch of games. Uh, he has that comeback gene. He can do. He can lead. He makes. He's got a quick release when it comes to a throwing motion. He's there's a bunch of good things about Garoppolo. If he is released and then not a liability to any new team, right? For so whatever they pay him, he can be got on the cheap. If the team is willing to go get him, but this all this is all based on what San Francisco does, and I don't trust those guys worth you know as far as I can throw them. So who knows on Garoppolo? Well, you, you, well, like yeah, and uh, as you mentioned about some of the teams, he'd be better. Garoppolo would be better. Some some of the starters that that are on some of the teams, like just watching Seattle last night, they had Geno Smith and Drew Locke are the two guys that potentially could be your starters. Well, Garoppolo's better than those two. And you got to feel that if the 49ers release Garoppolo, Seattle's on the phone immediately to Garoppolo's agent saying, come to Seattle, baby. 
right? <laughs> you know, you're in the same division. You're, you'll be, you know, same part of the country. You're comfortable. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'm not even convinced that, uh, like, it, I'm not convinced really that the 49ers would be all that comfortable. You know, they've gone with Trey Lance, sure enough. But what if Lance really bombs <laughs> mm-hmm. and you got a really good team in, in San Francisco otherwise? Uh wouldn't you keep Jimmy G? Uh, you're going to pay him one way or the other. Right. Uh, and, and wouldn't you keep him around? That's a good story. Purple Haze says yeah. the Jets would take him. Purple Haze, there's most of the teams would take him if he was open on the free market and cheap. Uh, Drew said every team knows the Niners uh, have to cut Jimmy G, and so they're not going to trade for him. They're just going to wait for that gamble to see when he gets cut. Yep. And then stick San Francisco with the bill and then hopefully get him cheap. But that brings us to the last That's exactly how you do it. Which is maybe the most likely. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles has been out of the league. He's not officially retired, but he is a free agent. And this is from this picture is from 2019 which shows you he knows the offense. He's played in that system. Uh, If I'm figuring that if Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips and Kwesi, for that matter, don't like what they see in either either or both Mond, 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 how can you be so bad that Mannion's (laughs) starting? Kellen Mond. In Mond or in Mannion, Sean Mannion, I wouldn't be surprised if this phone call is made late tonight. Come in. We want to look at you. How's your physical? You know, let's, you know, check your tire pressure. Would you be willing to back up Kirk? It makes sense to me. This one out of all of them makes the most sense right now. Well, it, it, particularly because you don't uh, you don't have to a worry uh, wait for a team to release one of those other backups, or you wouldn't have to trade for them. So Bortles is there, and uh, yeah, like you said, he's there. He's a right. You know, anybody can pick him up if if they you know if they agree to a deal with him. So yes, uh, that makes sense. And the fact that he'd been with the Rams before uh, would have familiarity with the offense. Uh, again, a guy who started a ton of NFL games with varying degrees of success. But um, is he better than Sean Mannion? I'm a hundred percent sure that he would be. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, that's why so, this makes yeah, if, the most sense to me right now. Hey, I'd love Garoppolo yeah. back there, but this makes the most sense. G Mac, good to see you back. And, and there's and there's no, you know, if if that's the worry of some or the perception that Kirk would be cousins would be threatened by having a backup in there who's actually half decent and might be a threat to his job, which I don't think would be the case. Like Bortles is not that guy either. Uh, yeah, so he's not that, that guy. You know, Garoppolo could sense. be that guy. It's on that Bortles end. is not that guy. Oh yes. Garoppolo would definitely be that guy, but uh, but Bortles is not that guy. But yeah, uh, but but interesting. I, I the Vikings backup situation. Uh, we were concerned about it uh, going into training camp, and those concerns have uh, amped up considerably the past two weeks. Probably not an issue because Kirk Cousins has missed two games since he's been a Viking one was in 2019 where they sat him out on purpose. And then last year, because of code of protocols, he couldn't play. But, uh, but again, uh, so he's been super, super durable. Uh, probably not going to miss any gains due to injury, but it's always out there. And Hey, maybe he gets COVID again. He got COVID again this week. Maybe he gets COVID again in four months at an inopportune Long time. COVID, can't yes. play. Yeah. Can't play. And then you're, you've got, throwing Sean Mannion or Kellen Mond into a must-win game, down the tubes not where you want to be. And that's, we've got so much promise, such a good, new, refreshing attitude, everything else. Nobody wants to see the season go down the tubes just because of, you know, nope. something like long COVID or, you know, uh, a knee tore up. Wilson did it this week. Uh, luckily, he's not going to be out for a long time. It turns out to be just a meniscus and a bone bruise rather yeah. than an ACL. But 
you know, we don't want to see that. Uh, it was uh, Joseph that popped up, Blake Bortles, and J.C. Treader on Tuesday. J.C. Treader, the other position of need, which is weird because Chris Reed isn't playing today, is our center position where we got Bradbury. But we'll get into that in this theme three coming up. That That's it for theme two. We have gone over in a logical manner what possible backup quarterbacks are out there where we could possibly get. It's up to the viewer now to take that information and do with it what you will. Uh, continue to watch, not only today and evaluate, but the rest of the week and see what happens as we run up to the season. And we don't know out of all those guys that I sent, which ones that uh, Kevin O'Connell feel is a better fit for the system uh, than, you know, so I was just throwing out guys that I feel would be an upgrade just based on their, their past performance in the NFL uh, compared to Mannion. But, but that, again, that doesn't speak to what the coaching staff feels about any right. of those guys. That's it. Now it's to our favorite part of the show, talking about Lake Monster <laughs> Brewing, our partner for this season. They brew great beer. As we introduced last week, they talked about their Purple Rain, that fruit-based ale. They've got that available right now, not only on tap, but what is new, and you can see in this picture, they have it in cans. For you, if you're in the uh, St. Paul area or just across the river in Minneapolis, go over to St. Paul, enjoy a beer. They've got the game on at the brewery. They can watch great friends, good times, great beer. We'll watch Vikings all together. It'd be wonderful. Lake Monster Brewing, fantastic, and they support climbing the pocket and the Vikings. Can't beat that with a stick. Now on to our final theme, theme three. In this one, I'm going to hit on what to look for when you're watching a game, how to watch those offensive linemen. Obviously, I love the big round bellies on both the offense and defensive sides. I tend to look at them. I'm going to tell you some of the easy ways to do that. And where we're not getting into technical, we're not getting into techniques. You know, I may look how's his kick slide, how's he positioned, where's he's at. That's not what I'm going to be going over today. I'm just going over how would you watch it if you're a fan, say my daughter, sitting out on the couch. How would she watch this to determine are they playing well or not? But before we get there, let's start off with where they were and where they're going. We have offensive or offensive line rankings from a few different sources here. Football Outsiders ranked the O-line in 2021 24th overall and 30th in pass blocking. All right? That sounds about right, doesn't it, Darren? Ish? It does to me, for sure, yes. And and, 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 uh, and what we and all saw. Not good, good right either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, it ain't good. Um. ESPN last year had them 25th, so that's 24th, 25th. That's about where it was, right? I didn't bring up all the rankings, but that was it, you know, that lower quarter of the league. ESPN, though, this year has the pass blocking forecast to be 31st. I like that, 31st. I uh, mistyped there. It should have been ST instead of TH. But 31st, we know what you know mean, what, David. I don't know what these guys are smoking. It's got to be some sort of crack. The only team they have worse at pass blocking is the Steelers. And I, they're so full of shit. Don't believe them. I just wanted to put that up there, that ESPN's got their hair head up their anal orifice, and they need to pull it out soon. Then the final one is PFF. Would you believe that PFF is forecasting that the pass blocking skills of the 2022 line is projected to be 19th? We're moving up. Still middle of the pack, but we're moving up. 
That's better than down at the bottom where we were last season, right? In that bottom quarter. At least we're in the middle there. Now, are you curious who PFF projected to play the offensive line? I am always curious about that, David, and I'm sure our viewers are as well. Here you go. From right tackle, Brian O'Neill. Duh. Right? Then at right guard, they have Ed Ingram winning the job. Center, they've got Garrett Bradbury. Of course, Ezra Cleveland at left guard. And uh, at left tackle, the man to miss the legend, soon to be Christian Derrissaw. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I hope we get a phone call from ESPN, I'm sure. But it was interesting that they had Ingram in there. <laughs> they did these projections in June. Hmm. Now, here in July. They, uh, obviously, Philip. Uh huh. In July, they wrote about this offensive line. And here's the quote. This could be sneakily, or this could sneakily be the best offensive line quarterback Kirk Cousins of his career, Vikings career. And they believe much of that boils down to Christian Derisaw and uh, how he did well, earning a 71.9 grade, right, on all his snaps last year. But what they liked, especially about Christian Derisaw, is he got stronger and stronger and stronger, and the grades got better and better and better as the season went on. And remember, he didn't start or do any practice because he's coming off that uh, core surgery. And so he didn't really get, start getting into it until early in the seasons when he was taking hits, and then it just built up and built up and built up. And with what we've heard so far, and we've reported on other shows, how much love he's getting both in the press and by the coaches, it could be something special when we come to Christian Derrissaw. GMAC, we never ask how worse. How did we get worse? Um, well, with ESPN, I asked that, but it can always get worse. I don't think it will this season, but we are the, you know, our team's the Vikings, so who knows? 2016, the line looked decent. We haven't got worse. Everybody got injured. We haven't got worse yet. We haven't got yeah. worse yet. Keyword, yeah. <laughs> ESPN, ESPN, ESPN is projecting us to be worse, but I, I like you, Dave, feel they're full of shit and uh, are way off on that. Yep. Now, what I wanted to bring up, for those that don't know, PFF did a study with players from 2006 to 2016. Offensive linemen, where do they get it is a good way to show it and visually you can see here in these graphs from distribution of snaps um, to uh, their war scores their uh, war per hundred snaps centers it's always year three they bump up just a tad you can barely see it in that graph on year four guards it's year three um our center is going into year four. If he's no better than he was in year three, we've got problems. Our guard, Ezra Cleveland, now steps up into year three. He did a step from year one to year two. Now he's in the year three. Tackles go up two, three, four, all the way across the board. So we expect a big jump this this uh, year for Derisaw, which we can't uh, – you know, we all enjoy to no end. O'Neill's going to be good. So, but it shows you how it's that third year, third and fourth year, where linemen get it. And with that, our the squad seems to be in good position. Now, Ingram, if Ingram gets it, that's good because he's better than Jesse Davis. So... And we'll start there. That'll be the base, and we'll start moving upwards. And we have, so it's a good thing. What do you think of that, of it takes three years minimum? Um, 
you know, you know I, I don't have any uh, my I don't have anything to base it on other than that's the table that PFF put out. But what I like about it is that um, when you look at the Vikings composition of their offensive line, you look at Cleveland's going into his third year. So you, you looked at that table at the mm-hmm. third year for a guard. The, their play jumps up a lot, a lot compared to the first year and second year. So, so um, we I talked about Cleveland a few months ago being a breakout candidate for the Vikings in his third year. If his play jumps up that much in year three, that is very good news for the Vikings offensive line. Very, very good news, particularly because he's an interior player. Uh, Ingram, if he is the guy, again, he's in his first year, so maybe there'll be some struggles there, but maybe he's got a high level of play his first year. Bradbury's going into year four. Don't have much hope there, but uh, he, he certainly didn't improve last year. But right. the, the tables show that a lot of times the fourth year is pretty much they, they, the, the play is still stronger than it was in year two and year one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even if he's a little bit better, and that, that would be a plus, but he may not, not even be our starting center in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. we don't know. You know, the, the way things are going. Uh, I was listening. And O'Neill is, is solid. You know, he's over here. I was listening to Brandon Thor. O'Neill solid and Darisaw is going into year two. Mm-hmm. I was listening to Brandon Thor yep. this week, and he does his he does alignment podcast right and he gets on there and the one things he talked about Ezra Cleveland and Ed Ingram is they both tend to get a little bit too aggressive at times right they want to put guys on the ground and he says no they need to control that just a little bit better uh there's times when to do it he goes he loves it loves them because of that but he he they just need to bring it under control a little bit. So instead of, you know, just take taking your guy, driving him to the ground, you've already taken your guy out of the play. If now you can, you know, shed him and then go seal off and help otherwise, that's even better. But he does love their mentality, and he thinks they both will be good. So, and he's an expert on it, and I will take his word for it because I agree with him. Now. To the major point of this theme, how do we watch linemen, or how, uh, you know, when we're watching a preseason game? <coughs> Pardon me. Um, my throat's getting dry. Need more beer. You do. Get that India, Davy. Yeah. How do we watch linemen? Well, most of us, me included. Watch the ball, right? We're watching where is the ball going, right? From the snap, quarterback, does he hand off? Does he drop back? Does he throw the ball? We're watching the pass in the air. The camera's tracking it. You know, we're looking at Justin Jefferson going up, catching the ball, you know, making a move, and then he's doing the gritty because we score, right? We're watching the ball. That's normal. That is 100% normal. That's how... Most people watch football. Nothing wrong with that. But if you want to see what happens, a play involves a whole bunch of people doing the right things at the right time. When you have a play like that that I just described, where Kirk Cousins throws Justin Jefferson, he makes a move, we score a touchdown, it's great. You know the next thing that's coming is a replay. On that replay, Instead of watching Kirk Cousins get the drop back, sit there and watch the offensive line, right? As Kirk Cousins gets the ball and does this, is that pocket forming? Does it look right, right? Does he have room? Does Kirk Cousins have room? Or is he squirting out? Or is he on a a program move, right? Watch that. What you're looking for is things that don't belong. This is what I wrote in the notes. You know, it's a game you play as kids or you see online. You have three fruits and a vegetable. What doesn't belong? And you'll say the vegetable doesn't belong. Well, you're looking at the same thing when it comes to offensive line play. We play a zone game, a zone blocking scheme. We're going from outside zone to inside zone, but it's basically a zone, which means movement. The, the, the guys on the front line, When the ball is snapped, they're all moving together as one, right? They're moving in the same direction. 
you want to look, you can see it out of your peripheral vision. You can still be watching the ball, but you can see it out of the peripheral visions. Is it all moving at the same time? Does everybody move? Or does somebody get screwed up and fall down or get blocked or do whatever? You're looking for that thing that doesn't belong. If that doesn't belong, you know something happened. Okay, who was that? Was that Ezra Cleveland tripped over his shoelaces? Where was it? You know, you can look and you say, well, he didn't have a good snap on that. Why didn't he have a good snap? Was it because of the defensive tackle or was it because he screwed up? And then you can look at that and you can see it. You don't even have to be focusing on it. You can see those things. You can start to pick them up. On pass blocking, you're looking for that nice pocket, right? And you're seeing usually the camera views behind Kirk. And Kirk's looking downfield. And you're seeing that. And if you see suddenly break through on the sides, then you can look, oh, wait a minute, which side? Right side, left side? All right, who has blocking responsibilities over there? And you can start looking, and you can pick it out. And if it's, oh, shit, it came up the middle, and you see, you know, Garrett Bradbury flying backwards, you can say, no, it's Bradbury, right? Um, And you can see that it's wrong. You're looking for that what doesn't belong. And you can judge that way on did they play well or did they not play well. And especially when it comes to replays, then focus on that. You can also take times during a dull part of a game. We might be moving in, you know, from the 20 to into their territory, whatever, and it's relatively slow. The momentum isn't much either direction. You're just watching it. Seems to go. Take a playoff and say, I want to watch. Bradbury on this play, or I want to watch O'Neal on this play. I want to watch this. If it's a good play, you're going to see a replay. You can still catch where the ball goes, but you can focus on, all right, did he do well? Is he getting beat? Is he beating somebody, right? What you hope to do is focus on and see Ezra Cleveland pancake somebody, and then they, you know, come back with a replay. Watch this. He just pancakes somebody, right? But you can watch it that way. You can just take times, just once you see sample size, right? And uh, and that's the easiest way to watch the offensive line. Basically, look for what doesn't belong, and if everything belongs and everything's look good, the offensive line's doing good, and it gets fun to watch. Drew says he's got to run. Thanks for the show, guys. Drew, thank you for uh, your work at Vikings Report with Ted Drew and. The Grand Pooh Bob, Mr. Christopher Gates himself. We enjoy your show as well. And that, everybody, unless you have any further questions, will wrap up today's show. And we're coming up on time here in 25 minutes, 24 minutes for kickoff. We want to make sure everybody gets uh, gets to be able to watch the game in time. And it's it's getting there. Drew said uh, neither fruit or vegetable belongs in the Bunting household, but I bet you nachos belong in the Bunting household. Am I right, Drew? Uh, That's good. But, but lots of cheese on the on it. So, yeah, but, but no. Now, one last thing. Climb in the pocket. We'll be having the final score, our postgame show, starting live at the two-minute gun at the end of the fourth quarter. So you can join us back again. It'll be me, Flip, and maybe a few others today to go over how the Vikings at the Raiders did. So feel free to join us. We will, again, be going live at that two-minute warning. Got anything else to say, Darren? Hey, Dave, you're a busy man today. Oh, yes, I have been. Just, yeah, yeah. No, just fun to have football uh, back, even if it's preseason. And uh, again, I'm uh, really super, even as sloppy as these games tend to be, I'm uh, super uh, pumped to watch the guys that I mentioned earlier, the Ingrams, the Lewis Scenes, Andrew Boot Juniors, uh, Jalen Twymans, Tyson Chandlers, and and, Kenny Wangus, all of those guys. Let's see who really shows tonight. Last year, preseason was so painful to watch. Like, I, I can't. Like even it was it was like no player excelled on the Vikings the whole three preseason games no one like AJ Rose was the like the best the the only thing we had to really be encouraged about and you and that was it so this preseason come on guys 
give us, uh, we want a bunch of guys to show, make plays, really flash out there and get us, continue with the, the optimism that we have about this team. Let's build on that today and let's get a win. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. It'd be nice because we, we didn't see any last preseason. Yep. What do, what do we say, brother? Yeah, we say Skull Vikings, baby, and get a W. Skull Vikings, let's win this game. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.